I alone, with that free, creative free space, generated almost a million dollars in a year alone because I suddenly had time. I had time to be creative and create something new that was making my business money, getting us new customers, making me happy as all can be because I was creative and I could do things that fulfilled me and it helped the business grow. Dude, I'd do that again in a heartbeat. How do you grow and scale your business while avoiding entrepreneur poverty? Hi, I'm Buzz and I've spent over 20 years marketing for entrepreneurs just like you. I've learned there's no one secret to success, but a series of strategies to help business owners scale at will. On this podcast, we uncover invaluable insights that successful entrepreneurs and industry experts use to profitably scale businesses. Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. Welcome to another episode of You Are Buzzworthy Podcast. Hope you are doing well and staying profitable. Today, we are diving into the operations of your business. Specifically, what the hell are you doing working in your business and not on your business? You know what I'm talking about. You're an expert in your field, and so you're the brainchild for everything that goes on in your business. I know I've been guilty of it. We all have at some point of our entrepreneur careers. But today, we are going to break the cycle. And to help me along is my friend and fellow entrepreneur, Adam Liette. Adam is the founder and director of Smooth Operations. Not to be confused with smooth operator, but I digress. He helps entrepreneurs create the systems and workflows needed to scale online companies. As the former director of operations for Musical U, these systems tripled the team size and increased revenue by over 600% in two years. Get this, the Two Comma Club Award from ClickFunnels, who are my Russell Brunson fans out here? Do I have your attention now? He is a 12-year veteran of U.S. Army Special Operations, a seasoned authority in psychological warfare and influence operations, in addition to having an MBA. I'm out of breath. Welcome to the show, Adam. Well, Buzz, I got to match your energy right now, brother. You are super excited, and now you got me all excited. So thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here and can't wait to dive into these topics. This is awesome. So when did you get out of the service? I left active duty in 2018. Okay. Uh, I'm still a reservist, uh, about four years left till retirement. So nice. keep, keep, keep churning. I'm, I'm almost there, brother. So so you went from special operations to pushing, what, pushing a desk? Or what do you got going on? Oh, dude, it's worse. Um, they, <laughs> they found out I'm in sales and marketing and I can do closing. And so the... <laughs> They recruited me to be a retention NCO. A so retention I, NCO. Okay. Yeah, so I talked people into re-enlisting. Oh, that is hilarious. I, I was waiting for you to say they recruited you to become a recruiter, which is like the sales, the car salesman of the military. <laughs> oh, it's worse because I got to sell the used car to the person that already owned it. Right? Yeah. You got to resell the car you already yeah. owned to somebody. I love it. So you dove into this musical you. Tell me a little bit about the musical you, uh, what it is. Like, give me the elevator pitch for that. 
Yeah. So Musical You believes that music is for everybody and there is no special few that should be musicians. And we're especially gifted with musical skills. Music is a skill that we all have inside of us. It's God's gift to us. And what Musical You does is bring music education to the masses. Uh, we help people discover things like improvisation, learning by ear, uh, playing uh, multiple instruments, all these wonderful things nice. that musicians take for granted. And as the director of operations, I had a huge hand in creating our curriculum, creating the team. Nice. And I'm so proud of what we did. Yeah, it, it's really yeah. incredible to bring music to people. That's awesome. So before my digital marketing firm, Buzzworthy, um, I had a creative agency called Buzzbiz Creative. Right. And before that, I had a recording studio called Buzzbiz Studios. Nice. Before that, I was a 15-year working musician trying to become a rock star. Neither tall enough, nor handsome enough, nor talented enough to be get to the big stages. But I had a good time. And my first few years as an entrepreneur was actually a lot of education in and around the music production and helping people get the most out of their uh, recording studio time. So nice. uh, yeah, so we have some kindred spirits there. But that brings back memories of when I was a slave to my business. And yeah. we all know what that, that looks like when we're working. We're not working on our business. We're basically working to live and not living to work. And we get stuck in the trenches over and over, right? We think we're going to break out. We're going to delegate. But then we get sucked back in and we're working in our business. Why do you think entrepreneurs seem to have this magnet that sucks them back into their business and keeps them from working on their business? A couple of reasons. It's a great question. And it's one that I'm constantly learning about myself, to be honest, when I, I have to constantly evaluate myself. And what I personally find is that working in our business is comfortable. It's what we know. It's what's easy. Ooh. It's the stuff you can do in autopilot. I can put on a ball game on the TV and do work in the business because it's mm -hmm. simple. It's what I know. It's what made me. And so I think that's the first step is that it's really, it's getting back to our comfort levels and our comfort zones. Mm -hmm. The other aspect is we get a little bit of kind of reverse imposter syndrome where we start believing that we have some special way of doing things that no one else can possibly replicate. Like, oh, there's no one that can create an email campaign like I can. No, <laughs> not possible. I, I don't have a proper way of describing it, except for it, it's, just, it's just this inner thing that we develop of ourselves, this inner identity that we develop of, I'm a master email marketer. I'm a master at creating Facebook ads. Well, Great. I think it comes down to that whole, you are the mastermind, right? You created yeah. it. And then the perfectionism, right? Right. And then you have to keep all of your clients happy. And who kept all your clients happy in the beginning? It was exactly. probably you, right? You it, were the account manager. You were the operations manager. You were the technician. You were the customer service rep. You were the accounting rep. They know you, you know? Yes. I think that that probably feeds that alter ego. Like, I don't know if it's necessarily an ego issue because I've seen introverts and, and very humble people get stuck in the same rut. Right. And so maybe that's where it's at, where it's just like people will not allow 80% to be good enough for their clients. It has to be 100%. And the only way to do that is if it's you. 
100%. And I experienced that myself in the customer service role at Musical U, where I created this story in my own mind that no one can serve our customers as good as I can. Oh my gosh, isn't that crazy? And once you create that story, you tell it yourself 500 times. I mean, and I'm an introvert too. Well, I'm an extrovert to introvert, which I found out is a thing the other day. I was doing some research. Oh, you're an on adaptive this. extrovert. Ooh. Yes, exactly. There you go. And, but even then, like I built this image around myself where I had to be the one doing it. And it wasn't until I found a way to release it, I found a way to trust other people. And it was through process that, that we do so much stuff on mindset. And mindset is huge. Like, don't get me wrong on that. Having a, an entrepreneurial mindset and having the right way of like working through things in your brain is great. But for us, like, super go-getter type of personalities mm -hmm. like you got to show me a roadmap brother I, I need a step by step here's how to do it otherwise it's all just woo woo shenanigans i need a map on how to do something and i found it and then i adapted it to fit me and now i'm teaching it to entrepreneurs all over the place and it just geeks me out when i get the chance to do this so thank you because you, you're you're a coo Right. And, and when we talk about entrepreneurship, we always talk about great companies have a visionary and an implementer, right? And the CEOs or the presidents or whatever you want to call yourself, they're the visionaries, right? They have the big picture. Like they're, they're the ones that say, you know, they're the Elon Musks, right? They're like, yes, we're going to put people on the Mars in the next five years, right? That's, that's right. the vision. And then they have to have an implementer that makes it all work, right? And mm -hmm. for you, I could totally see as a COO, you know, you're so close to the ownership, right? So you become part of the ownership, right? As a C-level executive yes. in any size company. And so that ownership sinks in with your implementer mentality. Like it's your, it's your second nature is to implement. I implement systems. I create systems. We make systems. We stick to the systems. And the visionaries are like, no, we got to change it all up now. And then we throw like wrenches in the mix and, and the CEO is just like, why is it? Why, why can't you just send them home? <laughs> just send them home. I literally have a client. It's a multi-million dollar cleaning company. And the, it's, a, it's a married couple. And the, the wife is the visionary and the husband is the implementer. And every time she comes into the office, she has ideas and she wants to get implement them immediately instead of just feeding it to her husband and go, oh, how no. can you implement this new vision? And so they've actually created a system to keeping her out of the office. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what is the process then of getting business owners out of the trenches in their business? Absolutely. So I try to dumb it down in a real good way that is adaptable and something that you can do right away. And I have a secret tool for this. It's really tough. It's really complex. It's called ScreenFlow. It's downloadable online for a certain amount of dollars <laughs> or whatever you use. ScreenFlow is Mac. If you use Camtasia or just whatever screen capturing software that you have, the platform doesn't matter. And that's what's beautiful about it. The key is to capture what you do. So what I do, and I feel like a crazy person every, every time I do it, and that's fine. Be crazy for a little bit. What I'll do is I'll record myself doing a process, and I'll talk myself doing through doing the process. I'll give instructions to myself. Okay, well, first we're going to go here, and we're going to click over here, and what that's going to do is going to bring up our menu options. 
it sounds ludicrous and it is. And you find yourself going, what am I doing? This is insane. You're teaching yourself in a way. You're, te- you're mm-hmm. creating this video, this walkthrough process of how to do what you do. You're documenting your expertise. And here's the crazy thing that happens, Buzz, when you're doing this. You're going to find ways of optimizing what you've been doing. Right. You're going to go, well, that doesn't make a damn bit of sense. Why am I doing that? The way? And you're going to you're gonna do like a version one, version two, version three of this when you're documenting your own process. But don't edit. Just go through what you do and mm-hmm. just record it on a video cast and then just leave it. Come back to it later. Right. The important thing is you're just documenting it for now. What we often find when we talk about creating SOPs, talking about creating workflows, is people will go to the newest Asana template or what's the new, the buzz Click one, up. the ClickUp. ClickUp is one that everyone's using now, right? And I tried ClickUp. I'm like, I don't get this, but I get it. Like if, they, if ClickUp's your, your jam, hey, get on it. But what happens is we think about creating an SOP and we go into ClickUp. We're going to Asana. We're like, oh, crap, I got all these options and these menus and whatnot. <laughs> We're thinking with the other side of our brain, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Focus on documenting the process first, mm-hmm. then worry about whatever tool you got to organize it. Right. Document it first. Right. No, I like that. And then another thing that I've done, and you could use something as, as simple as Loom. Yes, 100%. Right? You can have free videos. One of my friends, Mike McCallowitz, he in his book, he talks about just using this the uh, record function on your computer, you know, where you yep. can just have your your face there and your screen sharing it, and then just l- upload them to Google Drive, right? And just exactly. have them all there. You know, that's that's a rudimentary word. But one of the things that I notice is that when you create one of those and then give it to somebody in your business to do, yes. and then have them give feedback on the steps and find out where they get stuck. Yep. Because there's a lot of yeah, it's funny because my best experts in my company, when I ask for an SOP, they give me the five steps, right? But none of the actual steps. It's the five phases of the project, not the actual step by step by step. We need to right. log into this URL. And then once you're in, you need to go to this, right? And there's actually another one you might want to check out. It's called scribehow.com. I've heard of that. Is that, yeah. yeah. And I'm so we're trying that one out. And there's a free version, which is nice, but it creates those SOPs for softwares like ClickUp. And then if you put those together with a video, I found uh, trainual.com is a paid version of creating, you know, processes like you're talking mm-hmm. about, but they tout putting video and the written step by steps because people learn how to do things differently. For sure. And one thing I would do is if I was offloading something, so I, I would document it in that video. Mm-hmm. And as far as turning it into an SOP, turning it into something in a Google Doc or ClickUp or Asana or whatever, I would actually have the person that was taking it over for me do that part. Yes. So they had they had to take the video portion, turn it into something else. And what am I really doing? I'm reinforcing learning. Right. Because learning modalities are a thing. Prior to all this stuff that you've read in my bio, I'm an educator at heart. I've been teaching since I was 15 years old and I'm a teacher. That's what I do. And so I know if I reinforce things through different ways and have people become a part of the process, not only are you reinforcing the learning, you're giving them ownership, brother. And when you people have ownership of a process, I mean, Cialdini talks about that in his book, Influence, which if you haven't read, read it. It's great. When people have ownership and they have a commitment and skin in the game, brother, they yes. own it. And it's now theirs. Yes. It's not, oh, this is 
Adam's process for doing X, Y, and Z. It's this is how we do things, right? This is how I do things. Right. And it's just this wonderful little trick. I think you could take it one more step and they actually do own it once they've created oh, it. Yeah, so that way, if, if anybody has a question, they don't come back to you. They go to that owner. Yes. And then when they and when something's broken or it changes, guess who gets delegated? Who's who's got ownership of that process is that person. Yep. And then if they they leave, whoever finds the issue, guess what? They own the process now, and you don't ever have to do it again. <laughs> so I think that brings me to my last or one of my last questions, which is: we know that people get entrenched with their business everybody's dealing with some type of that, yes. right? So what can an entrenched business owner do this coming week if they're ready to start digging themselves out of entrepreneurial poverty? And when I say that, I mean talking about they are spending time, which is money, right? Yeah. And making themselves poor because they're leaving less time for themselves. How do they take back their lives and become an actual business owner? How can they start that this week? The first, it's really simple. You need to take stock of what you're doing. You need to have full transparency and self-awareness and self-brutal ownership of everything that you're doing in the business. What I do when I do this, it's called a time study, and I teach the full method on how to do it inside my membership, but it's documenting every 15 minutes of every day in your business, every task that you're doing. If you want to start this just rudimentary, literally open up a new Google Doc or a new Evernote, whatever. And every time you change task, every time you're doing something different, what are you doing now? Take full stock over your entire week of work. And then at the end of the week, rack and stack what you're doing. What's the stuff that's your task that you don't need to be doing anymore that's easy to do? You know you can teach someone else to do it easily. And here's the really tricky part, Buzz. It's what are you best at doing? The thing that you're best at doing is actually the first thing you need to offload. That's a painful thing for most of us to hear, but I tell you from experience, I got told this from my coach 18 months ago, and I'm like, nope, that ain't gonna happen. And I walked away and went, crap, I gotta do that, don't I? Okay. <laughs> and when I did it, not only did I realize I can offload absolutely anything I do, it was this really great like momentum boost to myself, but it freed up the creative space in my brain to open an, an entire new revenue generating branch of the company. I alone, with that free, creative free space, generated almost a million dollars in a year alone because I suddenly had time. I had time to be creative and create something new that was making my business money, getting us new customers, making me happy as all can be because I was creative and I could do things that fulfilled me and it helped the business grow. Dude, I'd do that again in a heartbeat. And it's the thing I got to keep like always on my mind. Like if you're good at something, Adam, you got to offload it. You got to systematize it. And it's a constant thing. I, I just keep going over and over again. But for your step right now, this week, document everything you do, then rack and stack them and start preparing to offload. Stop working in your business. You need to free up space in your brain and create time to be creative and learn to offload what you're best at. Learn more about Adam in the links that we have in the show notes. While you're there, please 
Subscribe to You Are Buzzworthy podcast. We want to hear what your thoughts are, so please leave a review. Until next time, stay profitable and buzzworthy.